Welcome to Parallel Leaders. Every week, we come alongside you and focus on eight growth points to address the obstacles holding you back. Not only do you need to grow as a leader, but your team, your systems, your numbers, your finances, the expectations, the facilities, and your culture must grow. If you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or department under the microscope of these eight growth points, you will optimize your effectiveness as a leader. And today's podcast is all about equipping you with the tools and conversations you need to move forward. So let's go. Hey, everybody. It's Jen here. We're going to be talking today about how to develop personal resilience. So glad you're joining us for team day, guys. We are really excited to get into this teaching. So let's go. I'm going to start with a quote from Eric Gretchens from his book, Resilience. It says, as a Navy SEAL, you understood the word frontline to mean the place where you meet the enemy. The front line is where battles are fought and the fates decide. The front line is a place where fear, struggle, and suffering, and also a place where victories are won, where friendships of a lifetime are forged, and a place where we live with a sense of purpose. The front line isn't just a military term. We all have front lines going on in our life right now, whether you're going through a place of struggle, you're encountering fear, you're suffering or facing hardships. We all have battles to fight, and it's in those battles that we earn our wisdom, create joy, forge friendships, and find purpose. If we want to win any significant victory, we're gonna have to fight for it. Resilience is one in the mind. It's a virtue that enables people to move through hardships and become better. It's in those moments of darkness and in those times that we can turn turn those into our greatest growth opportunities. Point number one, if you're filling in your notes, go ahead and get ready because we're gonna be going fast and furious through these points. Number one, adversity is not your enemy. While the situation may not be ideal or what you envisioned exactly, adversity produces if we let it character. Depending on how you look at it, adversity can be your biggest teacher. It's important that in any battle that you know your enemy and that you study it. Uh, In James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. That's James 1, 2 through 4. Perseverance shows us what we're made of. It also shows us what sticks. It exposes our values and our weak spots. Um, It may expose your blind spots. You can't always avoid adversity. In fact, adversity is probably coming, (laughs) whether we like it or not. But the real enemy isn't the challenge that you're facing. It's how you lean into it and learn from it. It's the war that goes on inside your mind. Number two, confront the brutal facts. Admiral James Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war, who refused even under torture to give information to his captors, observed that soldiers that were captured and broke the fastest were the soldiers who were deluding themselves about the severity of the ordeal. They were the ones who imagined that they'd be free in a week or maybe free in a month. They call this the Stockdale paradox. You must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. I'm going to repeat that because it's super good. Okay. The Stockdale paradox, you must never confuse the fact that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. When we acknowledge pain, we shine a light on it and pain loves to thrive in the darkness. 
Um, and I'm sure that this is making all the Enneagram sevens in the room cringe. I'm an Enneagram eight, but I also have an Enneagram seven wing and Enneagram sevens love to run from pain. One of my defense mechanisms is like, let's get out of here. <laughs> like, If there's pain going on, if there's stuff that I don't want to confront, um, I'm going to go and get myself real busy. I'm like, I have workaholic tendencies and I'm going to probably dive into work. I'm going to find myself a really big project. I might go climb a mountain. Um, that's one of my favorite recreate times. So if I'm not careful, that can be really unhealthy. So it's one of those things that self-awareness and a strong EQ is going to help you in those times to learn from your experiences and not let it overwhelm you. There's a big difference between recognizing that pain is real and believing that pain is always devastating. And the key word here is always. Pain is devastating. But to have the outlook that pain is always devastating is completely different. Losing someone is hard. Going through and walking through someone's family where maybe they're experiencing loss or a tragedy is hard. Trauma is crippling, but just because it hurts, it doesn't mean that it's broken. I've seen people recover from incredibly difficult circumstances. My own, like growing up and things were not always perfect. And those things can be crippling. They can be damaging. They're things that we need to be self-aware of those that are rooted in our life that we need to be paying attention to, constantly working through, evaluating and reflecting on. But those are things, and these are some strategies that can help you when you're in those places and you need help. A strategy for confronting these brutal truths is that ignoring reality isn't going to help you. And you can move to a place of acceptance through a place of intentional growth. I think it's really important to take a minute here and pause and talk about um, the importance of self-talk. Positive self-talk can be a powerful and effective tool if it's done in practice, but you, you can't only do that just before the big game. You have to be able to do that all the time. So you have to build intentional habits. If you only do it before the big game without the training, it's only going to lead you to disappointment. In Pastor Kelly's book, Minecraft, he goes through a list of I am statements. This is a practical tool and resource that you can go to and reference and pull out I am statements that help you build yourself up from the inside. So one of the things that you can do from a biblical perspective, but also from a very intentional uh, discipleship perspective is to find those I am statements that you need to speak over your life and create that internal language and dialogue early so that you have that set in place. So when the storms do come, when the trials do come, the challenges come, you're already speaking that language. Your internal language is no, I'm strong. No, I'm going to get through this. My family's going to get through this. We've got this. God's got this. God's got me. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's the thought process that you need to be working through and intentionally build before there's a storm. It's so good if you can get these disciplines into your life early, because out of those habits, you build your character. First, you start with your internal language, and then you build a habit, and that builds who you are. So you want to be so intentional and precise about those things. Uh, so number three, leading into that is intentionality wins. We've talked a lot about intentionality, but Eric Eckens said in his book, to be resilient, to build a full and meaningful life of strength, wisdom, and joy is not easy, but it's also not complicated. We all can do it. To get there, it's not enough to want to or to want to be resilient or to think about being resilient. We have to choose to live a resilient life. And I'm going to pause and repeat that because it's so good. To be resilient, to build a full and meaningful life of strength, Wisdom and joy is not easy, but it's also not complicated. We all can do it. To get there, it's not enough to want to be resilient or to think about being resilient. We have to choose to live a resilient life. So we have to be intentional. We have to build resilience. 
we have to uh, create and cultivate resilience. And resilience is endurance with direction. It can We can be intentional about how we build the habits that support a resilient life. Resilience is a virtue. And I love this part. And a virtue, according to the Greek philosophers, is translated to the word aret, which means excellence. So resilience and excellence are very closely tied. A virtue isn't something that we have, it's something that we practice, like getting better at running, art, uh, running kids' church, doing worship, playing music, all those things. Like it's something that we have to practice and put into practice. You aren't born with a virtue, you have to build it. And practice builds habits, which turns into your character. We become what we do if we do it often enough. We act with courage and we become courageous. We act with compassion and we become more compassionate. Um, but it's not its not just as easy and oversimplifying it as saying, if I put on shoes, I'm wearing shoes. <laughs> but there's three important parts here to note. Number one, you can develop resilience. Anybody can do it. You can do it. So don't let excuses disqualify you. You can build resilience into your life. Number two, it's possible to build virtues and it's possible to change your character. By doing that, it's possible to change the direction of your life. So this is super important. This is super key. It's your direction, not your intention that determines your destination. It's something that Pastor Kelly always says. This is something you can intentionally start to steer where you're going by building proper habits. Number three, you can't borrow or buy resilience. You have to do the hard work of building resilience in your life. Um, there's a quote that I absolutely love called, we don't rise to the expectation, but we fall to our level of training. Those habits, when we hit hard times, are the things that we're going to fall down and we're going to land at the level of our training. So what you know how to do and what's built into you is going to be how you operate in those seasons. So make sure that you're intentionally building so that when that storm comes, when that trial comes, you are going to fall into a place where one, you're peaceful. And two, you're not going to be rocked. You're not going to be the house that's built on the sand. You're actually going to withstand the storm that you're facing. Number four, embrace disruption. So disruption gets a bad rap. <laughs> and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal story in this one. I love disruption. Um, I'm an Enneagram 8. Also with the wing 7, we really like to do challenging and hard things. Um, and pain um, and challenge is difficult, right? It's something hard that we go through and how you process that is really important. As an eight, um, we like to look at challenges through the lens of, um, we're just, we're excited about challenges. <laughs> but uh, so last year I went through a bit of a health crisis and I had to reset a lot of my habits, a lot of my day-to-day -day activities, everything from what I was eating to my bedtime routines, to how our family operates, how we plan for the weekend, how we structure our day. Am I eating three meals a day? I was having some health issues and I've always had uh, eczema and inflammation, but it had kind of gotten out of control. It was this place where my face was swollen all the time. Um, it was, I couldn't manage it even with steroids and drugs. And I went to a health practitioner and she was like, you know what, like this we can probably give you more things to fix this medically, but what's actually going to help you the most is if we reset your rhythms. And we're learning a lot about rhythms right now. We're learning a lot about Sabbath right now in our church. And I'm really thankful that this disruption happened in my life. It was life-changing and altering for us. And I had to do the hard work of changing all those systems and all those habits and be super intentional about everything, like meals, my bedtime, and making sure we're getting proper sleep, 
and all those things and put those building blocks in place so that I could be healthy today and healthy for the long run. And pain and challenges, when it hits you, it's kind of like it's hitting a moving target. You're always growing and you're always on your way somewhere. Your objective is to use what hit you to change your tra trajectory in a positive direction. Let me say that again. When a pain or challenge hits you, it's a moving target. You are always growing and you're always on your way somewhere. Your objective is to use what hit you to change your trajectory in a positive direction. So you can look at challenges two ways. You can look at it as disruptive and it's thrown you off track, or you can use it to actually propel you and move you forward. In 2020 with My City Care, this was a big thing for us. So we were we were running our regular programs, 2020 hit, and you're looking at the options of closing down, working with more restrictions, changing restrictions, changing mandates. And our job was to serve people. Our job was to keep our doors open, keep helping and serving our community, keep being the church, because the church isn't shut down during COVID. This is one of our greatest opportunities and leverage points that we possibly could have. So we pivoted, like every week was like a different pivot that we had to do. But because of that, we're set up for the success that we have today, because we were able to embrace the disruption, move forward with the challenges and reposition ourselves for what was coming. And that's not easy. We have different personality types on our teams who are, I would say some of them work with a more fixed mindset. Some of them work with a growth mindset, but people or people struggle with disruption differently. And so know the people on your team, know the personality types, help them work through disruption. If you're going through something and you need someone to help speak into your situation, don't be afraid to reach out for help or to ask someone because everybody's going through their own journey. Everyone's processing change differently. But this is something I think if you can embrace disruption for what it is, um, it might not have been something that you wanted, but maybe this is a learning opportunity for you if you were to look at it that way. All right, number five, purpose is your anchor. Being resilient starts with a choice. You are responsible for what happens to you. Um, and a lot of us are familiar with Simon Sinek's Start With Why. We've taught that lots through our leadership teams. We're familiar with it. What's your why? What's your personal why? Everybody has a personal why, whether it's your testimony, unsaved loved ones, or something that you had to overcome in your lifetime. The choice is that you can let the pain and disappointment consume you, or you can find strength in your pain and serve a purpose higher than yourself. We like to say here that you serve a vision bigger than yourself, that you're a part of an organization, we're a part of a team, we are a part of what God's doing on this earth. And so what you're doing is so much bigger than just you. Simon Sinek says, and start with why, working hard for something we do not care about is called stress. How many people can relate to that? Uh, working hard for something that we love is called passion. There's a lot of times where I know for myself, um, I don't I don't feel stress. And I would say this to Pastor Joy Lynn and Pastor Kelly all the time is I don't feel stressed because I'm just super passionate about what we do. But sometimes your body reads that differently. And sometimes your body's like, well, actually, you do need to slow down. <laughs> but there's a difference when you're working on a passion project versus something that is just causing you stress and anxiety. But you do need to find out your personal why. You need to know why you're doing it for you. I have unsaved loved ones. I have family members who um, aren't involved in church. They don't. Um, they don't even know really what this whole thing is all about. And we just try to constantly uh, create space and safety for them to have conversations about that. But knowing your personal why, for me, my personal why is my family. Um, I think about them a lot in what I'm doing, and it's like if I can build something that my family would want to go to 
then that gives me a lot of a lot of strength to pursue and to keep going. At the Leading Second Conference, Larry Bry talked about having a personal trophy case. He told everyone to pull out their phones and to start an album to remind them about why they do what they do, uh, what a win would look like for them, and to add to that album every time something good happens, because you would look at that when you're having a bad day and remind yourself why you're doing what you do and what success looks like. A lot of people struggle with finding out what a win looks like for them, and not a corporate win, but a personal win. What does a win look like for you? So make an album in your phone, take some pictures, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's that really awesome set that you did musically or um, something that you achieved and put it in there so that you can look at it and be like, yeah, this is why I do what I do. This is success. This is my gauge of success. And from that personal motivation, you're going to be able to um, tap into a different level and a different purpose behind what you're doing. All right, number six, practice and protect self-care. Now I talked about this a little bit in, in my personal journey with health, but I'm gonna re-emphasize this here. It's not enough to just prioritize um, your self-care and your health and your family. It's not enough to do that. You need to be brutal in protecting it. This is something that I'm still learning and still working through. You need to protect your physical and emotional well-being. This includes getting enough sleep. It includes eating a healthy diet, exercising regularly, and seeking help when needed for mental health issues. Uh, Larry Bry also said in one of, one of his teachings, he's like, people don't quit. Um, what was it? People quit because they don't know how to carry it. And I think that's one thing that we need to get a better handle on as church leaders, as staff, as individuals who are leading things in the kingdom of God, is teach people how to properly carry the weight of what they've been given. Um, I've been reading lots of books on Sabbath lately and resetting rhythms, and we need to make a space that honors our rest. We need to acknowledge that we have limitations, which is super hard for an age, and uh, know that we're not designed to keep going and going. Our systems, even when we sleep, are uh, constantly at work. Uh, one of the things Pastor Kelly had mentioned in our last series was that he viewed Sabbath as stop. He viewed rest as a full stop. And even like when our body is at rest, it's restoring. Our body's healing. It's doing much needed work to make sure that we can function and make sure that we're healthy and thriving. So when you take the time, when you carve out time for you to be able to do that, don't look at it as a stop. Look at it as a different type of work. It's hard work. It's hard work to stop and to trust God and to rest. But one of the things that we do need to do is create that rhythm of rest and give ourselves permission to be able to step into that. In uh, the book Resilience, uh, Eric Gretchen concludes that, and he actually concludes in talking about Sabbath rest, and he says that you don't celebrate Sabbath to become more resilient. The Sabbath is the counterbalance to resilience. Excellence and enjoyment, resilience and rest with the Sabbath, we make ourselves whole. So we are designed for rest. We are designed to take at least that one day a week to say, God, you got this. I don't got this. You got this. And to take that work and that time to restore what needs to be restored. And sometimes when you start doing it, um, it doesn't feel like you're doing a whole lot. You're going to have to work through the antsiness, the frustration, the like the lack of doing something. I struggle with like the idea of being lazy. My self-talk sounds a lot like, oh man, you better get off that couch and go and do something like that garage isn't going to clean itself. <laughs> and so I'm sure some of you guys can relate to that where it's like our internal self-talk sometimes sabotages the very work that God's trying to do in our life. So let's be mindful of that. Let's be creative in how we approach Sabbath because it's not going to look the same for everybody. Do what works for you, but resurface the conversation and keep having it and ask yourself, is it working? Is this working in your life? Is it working for your family? 
Um, number seven, relationships are key. Um, in Proverbs, it says iron sharpens iron. And so one person sharpens another. Every person needs three people in your life. You need a pastor, you need a mentor, and you need a friend. A pastor, mentor, or friend is going to help you navigate difficult circumstances in life. It can help you take information and teach you the difference between knowing that and knowing how. You can learn facts on your own, but you want to know if you want to know how to do something like baking a cake or riding a bike, you usually have to be shown. When someone's learning to ride a bike, you usually go out with them. You help them get balanced, which I think is so important. <laughs> you probably need someone to help you get balanced before you can take off and ride the bike, right? We all need those people in our life who are going to come alongside us and do that when we're, especially when we're learning something new or taking on a challenge, find someone who's going to help you get positioned well, get balanced on your bike, and then also like let go when it's time, right? All right. So, but also when you're looking for a mentor or one of these people to support you, keep in mind and discern um, what you're facing and understanding the environment. So you're going to want somebody who understands the environment you're in. If you're Pastor Brian and you want to know about coffee, you're probably not going to come to one of us. You're probably going to approach Starbucks where somebody has more expertise in that field. Um, the environment matters. The people that you have speaking into your environment matters. So if you're looking at a pastoral issue, you probably want to talk to some pastors who have gone further than you to be able to speak into those things. So make sure that the context is important, that the environment makes sense and that they understand what you're going through, because that's going to produce different outcomes. So for example, pain plus, plus reflection can equal progress. We struggle, we reflect, we try again, and we grow stronger. Other times, it might look like pain plus reflection equals whining <laughs> or complaining, which accomplishes nothing. Um, and again, pain plus reflection could equal coping. People that are struggling with addictions, maybe workaholism, different types of things, they're running from something. So keeping in mind that you want to have relationships that help you set positive boundaries, that help hold you accountable, again, help you balance on that bike and also push you to go, right? So relationships not only help you through the challenges, but they also help you see and frame things differently. It may take time to find the right coach, mentor, or friend, but you need those people in your life and in your corner. Friends are super important. I have a teenager and one of the most important things that you constantly are talking about is their friends. Friends are everything to them. And one of the things that when things go sideways with teenagers is usually like, okay, who are you hanging out with, right? And like, who are the people that you're spending the most time with? Because you're gonna become like the, the five closest people to you. And I think it's super important that we pay attention to our friends. Friends are often who we turn to in life's biggest decisions not because they're always going to support you unquestionably, but because they most likely will not. Good friends are going to challenge the flaws in our thinking and the flaws in our character. When they do, they make us better. Good friends hold us to a higher standard. Friends sympathize with our pain, but also stop us from wallowing in it, which is super important. Friends point to our blind spots out of love and desire us to be the best and fullest version of us possible. Number eight, cultivate a growth mindset. We kind of, we skimmed this a little bit earlier, but we're going to talk about it in a little bit more depth. So people either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Resilience involves self-reflection and adaption. Someone with a growth mindset views intelligence, abilities, and talents as learnable and a capable improvement through effort. On the other hand, somebody who has a fixed mindset views those same traits as inheritably, inheritably stable and unchanged over time. 
Uh, we often are taught that reflection and thinking are one and the same. When we reflect, we're processing the meaning of something we experienced or learned. Our reflections often guide our future actions. This requires more than IQ, it requires EQ. It, it, it requires our ability to recognize where we have gone wrong in the past. A gold standard for reflection is act, reflect, and then plan. You act, you reflect on your action, and then repeat the same process. If we build a pattern and a habit of quality reflection into our lives and leadership, we will be able to consistently respond to hardship, error, and difficulty in a way that makes us stronger. So this, again, like as a wing said, and this is something where it's like, okay, like something bad goes wrong. Um, I'm most likely to be like, I need a distraction. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, like I need a project or something else to focus on kind of thing. And I will go and I will bury myself in some kind of project or something to take my mind off of it. But you need the space and you need to be intentional about going through and reflecting on what happened and what you could do differently and make a plan for the future. So you don't just think about it and then wallow in it. Pastor Kelly said in a teaching a long time ago that if something happened and went wrong, give yourself 24 hours and then after that, move on. <laughs> so this is kind of the same idea. So reflect on it, find out what you can learn from it because there's something to be learned from everything. Even other people's criticism, there's always something that can be learned and then build a plan forward. Don't stay there. Don't let that take you out. Just build a plan to move in a positive direction forward. Um, when we do this, we actually are growing in our leadership. We're consistently able to respond and it just grows and helps us be better leaders. Number nine, resilience requires a sense of gratitude. And I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on this, but I think one thing is super important um, to note here is that when we express gratitude, we're less likely to be stressed. Um, there's lots of studies and things on the levels of serotonin and how you get better sleep, how you can even digest food better. When I was seeing my health coach, she used to have me go out in the morning. This is like, this sounds very hippie-ish, but like in the first thing in the morning, in the sunrise, go and sit in the sun and have your cup of coffee or she preferred water. <laughs> Can't give up my coffee. <laughs> Baby steps, right? So go out and sit in the sun and think about what you're grateful for. And I used to sit there and I'd be like, okay, like, um, and it would take a while sometimes to remember what I was grateful for, because I was mostly not grateful for sitting out on my steps first thing in the morning, because the only place that I get sunlight is like on my front steps. So I got like my neighbors going by and stuff. And I'm sitting out there in my pajamas, having my cup of coffee and, uh, but focus on something that you're grateful for. And, um, gratitude is one of the most contributing factors to happiness. The idea comes down to the simple thought that when we express thankfulness, we call attention to the good things in our lives. We remember that we may have taken things for granted or be overlooking some things. And we express ourselves to one. And when we express gratitude to one another, we are reminded that we're not alone. Uh, according to acuity training, gratitude is a feeling of thankfulness and appreciation Gratitude makes us able to recognize the positive aspects of our life and be thankful for them. Gratitude is essential for building resilience. When life is hard, that is the time when we need to be grateful. Appreciating the positive sides of our daily life, and we don't focus on just the bad. Being grateful does not mean that we deny our hardships. It means that we are able to continue to be conscious of the positive while acknowledging that you are also facing some challenges. The positive attitude means that, that gratitude helps you become more resilient to life's disappointments. It also triggers our brains to be more focused on opportunities and threats and so helps to moderate stress. Interestingly, having gratitude is helpful, but expressing gratitude out loud is even more beneficial. 
So when you when you are having a bad day, take some time, maybe tell someone else you're thankful for them, reflect on those things. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe you're having a hard time thinking of something, but even just being thankful for the air that we're breathing, for the sunshine outside, simple things. Um, we saw a guest speaker recently, and she had said that one of the biggest, her whole thing was on joy and cultivating joy in your life. And she said one of the biggest things for her and for the book that she wrote was to write down three things daily that you're thankful for. So even if you can do that, even if you can practice gratitude for three simple things, and they can be different every day, or they can be the same, but as long as you're doing it, it helps set your mindset in the right place. I actually, like, I'm a really big fan of doing it in the morning. Um, I did actually grow to enjoy doing it. <laughs> but if you sit out in the morning and have your cup of coffee in the sunshine, and it's starting to be warmer out now, and just focus on what you're grateful for, um, you'll see how that's going to help shape your thinking and your thought process and how that's going to affect your day. And I would encourage you to do that. All right, last but not least, resilience is a process, not a destination. Most people believe that resilience is the ability to bounce back, but resilience is less like an elastic that recovers to its original shape because uh, you are not the same after a tragedy, after a challenge, after something goes wrong, you don't actually bounce back to being the same person that you were before that. And ideally, you're going to learn and grow from it and be someone completely different on the other side of that and hopefully for the better. The problem with this idea or definition is that you don't bounce back from hard experiences. You find healthy ways to integrate that into your life. Finally, remember that resilience is not something that you can achieve once and forget about. It's an ongoing process that requires ongoing effort and dedication. Continually evaluate your beliefs and practices and be willing to make the changes needed that better align with your values and goals. Finally, I'm going to leave you with this quote. Um, I'm not going to try and say this person's name because it's very long, um, but the quote is from a psychologist and it says, of all the virtues we can learn, no trait is more useful, more essential to survival, and more likely to improve the quality of life than the ability to transform adversity into an enjoyable challenge. Um, I hope that blessed you guys today. I hope you took lots of notes. I hope you were able to follow along. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. But thank you so much for having me. It was really, it was an awesome uh, experience to be here. Thank you for listening to the Parallel Leaders Podcast. If you're looking for additional resources, tools, and conversations to move your organization forward and capture the hearts of your community, check out ParallelLeaders.com. And make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Leaders. We'll see you next time.